whatever you do, never invest directly in an LLC as a Canadian. Americans just love it because they're they're called flow through entities. And I think, uh, you know, even real estate agents, I don't know how many Canadians I know, my real estate agent told me to put in an LLC. I'm like, yeah, it's good if you're an American to do that, you know. But, you know, spend an hour, two hours with a, with an account and get them to write you a plan and a visual of the structure that you need to be in to save on tax implications and, and go from there. Like for us personally, we, you know, our structure, we, we try to leave the majority of our profits in the U.S. just to be able to grow that. Uh, you know, eventually, you know, there'll be more tax implications when we're bringing back the money back to Canada, but we try to keep it in the U.S. because of the tax. You are listening to the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show, the podcast dedicated to empowering you to invest for your family's future. Listen in to learn about different strategies successful investors use to live their best lives. Whether you are starting out on your real estate wealth building journey or a seasoned investor looking for the next unfair advantage, this is the show for you. Each conversation will help you be more savvy when it comes to understanding how to leverage real estate to achieve your goals and live an extraordinary life. Your host is none other than seasoned investors and power couple, Jose and Khadija Jafferji, founders of the Savvy Real Estate Group, where we have been helping passive investors grow their wealth and getting them one step closer to financial freedom since 2008. Hey, fellow Savvy Real Estate Investors, we have Matthew Laquer on our show today. Matt is a fellow Canadian who is also focused on investing in the U.S. He is the founder of MADA Partners, where they focus primarily on infill developments in various neighborhoods in uh, Philadelphia with the intention of revitalizing communities and encouraging home ownership. In this episode, we were able to chat about this very common theme of an increasing number of Canadians choosing to invest south of the border, ourselves included. We also discussed the theme of real estate investing being a team sport and how Matt works closely with his U.S. partners who are boots on the ground to execute their deals. If you're a Canadian who has been thinking about investing in the United States or just curious about the process, it was definitely a great conversation, lots of amazing information, um, specifically geared towards Canadians who are interested in investing south of the border. So here's Matt. Hello, we've got uh, Matt on our show today. Uh, Matt, uh, thanks so much for joining us. Please tell our audience, you know, a little background about yourself and uh, how you started your real estate journey. Well, thanks again for having me on your podcast. So I got involved in real estate. It was an accident. So essentially, I bought my first townhouse. I think I was 24, 25. And um, I had an idea of just, you know, putting a little bit of money in it, renovating it, and then just renting rooms to my friends. And then I didn't realize that was a term back then of house hacking. And then, you know, back then, you know, if we're talking about interest rates, I was super happy. I think I walked in around 579 that was like a good deal back then and then the interest rates started started going down and i started looking at different properties i'm like hey i can sell this property get into a better bigger home and at a lower mortgage payment with the interest rates dropped and that's kind of how i kind of started getting into real estate i'm like you know my goal was by the fifth home i'd be mortgage free 
Uh, it's not the case anymore. And I learned that leveraging is better. But uh, the good thing is what I've learned with, the, with, with the, my beginning is, you know, I started with the townhouses uh, here in uh, Ottawa and then I expanded in New Brunswick. And then uh, my mentor kind of pointed the direction to go to uh, the U.S. And I've been basically a U.S. guy for around seven years now. Wow. Nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always uh, seems to be the journey, right? You uh, start out with the smaller single families and then you sort of evolve. So tell us a little bit about maybe why you decided to hop into the, you know, out of the sort of single family space and, and also why you decided to cross border. So I think, that, I think we all, when we all want to get into real estate, we always think, oh, let me buy a townhouse or let me buy a single family home. And we get into real estate for the wrong reasons. We're like, Okay, mortgage pay down. You're like, okay, that's like five, seven thousand bucks more in my pocket at the end of the year. You're like, oh, woohoo, I'm cash flowing maybe fifty to hundred bucks a month. And then we don't think about vacancy. We're like, oh, I'm never gonna have a vacancy until you get a vacancy or until you gotta fix your property. And you know, that was kind of like an eye-opener for me. And back then, you know, we didn't, you know, I was in Ottawa, you know, I was budgeting around a two percent appreciation uh, per year on the properties. I was getting a little bit less than that. And, you know, that's kind of why I did the transition to multifamily. You know, if you have one vacancy, you know, on a smaller building, you don't really care. You have a second vacancy. You don't really care. You can always carry the property. It's not coming out of your pocket. And I was trying to expand, uh, do some uh, development in Ottawa around six, seven years ago. And the profit margins were, were tight, you know. And uh, one of the things that made me realize that, you know, my risk appetite on a smaller margin deal for the first development project, you know, I might be a failure. So I didn't, I didn't move forward with that. And my mentor at the time told me, he, he told me, he goes, Matt, you should really start looking at the U.S. I'm like, oh, that's the five, 10 year plan. And, and eventually, you know, I started doing my research, you know, met my part, my current partners in the U.S., um, you know, they had around $600,000 worth of real estate under their belt when I met them seven years ago. So that was two properties, two small little flips in the U.S. And fast forward uh, to today, you know, we've got around $35 million of, of new construction projects on the go right now and over $100 million of projects in the pipeline. So the company's grown so much. Our partnerships have grown. And, you know, the one thing that I've realized, you know, when you go to the U.S., you know, we always think about, Okay, my Canadian one dollar Canadian might be worth eighty cents U.S. But once you do the conversion, you look at okay for eighty cents on the on our on our dollar, you can actually do a lot more damage in the U.S. Cost of construction is a lot less. Uh, lending conditions are a lot better, and it's just an easier place to scale your business. Even if you want to start out, you know, I, I think it's it's just easier to scale at the beginning. Right. Uh, so you, um, I believe, uh, you transitioned into a specific location in the U.S., which is Philadelphia. Uh, was there a specific reason why you chose uh, Philly versus, you know, so many other states to choose from? At the beginning, it was more of a comfort level. Uh, my mentor was very active uh, in the city. And I always told myself, oh, if I get into trouble, at least he can get me out of trouble if something did happen. And it's just been a really strong relationship, like any relationships, you know, we have your highs and you have your lows, you know, especially with the growth that we've had, 
Um, but the way I look at it is partnerships make a big difference. And, you know, having a good team on the ground is what really made us successful and made us succeed in, in, this, in, in this marketplace. I'll give you guys an example. With COVID, the last time I was down in the U.S. was in the fall of 2020, uh, 2019. And we just recently went in April. And, you know, it was almost two and a half years since I, I stepped foot in the city we invest in. But it's just about trusting the people, trusting the, pro- the process, and trusting the product that you're, you're putting out. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of my story there. Yeah, maybe tell us like uh, the some of the key uh, parameters with in Philadelphia, for example, like uh, you know what would be average single family home uh, price versus you know in in Ottawa. So the way we do things, we kind of look at we identify neighborhoods that have natural boundaries that need some help. So there are you know neighborhoods that were left behind for twenty, thirty years. Uh, there's a neighborhood that we were fairly active in, in Philly called Brewery Town. Uh, we were probably like the second or the third mover in that community. And that's the way we invest. We're always the second or the third mover in the neighborhood. You know, if you do one or two properties at a time, nobody notices you. And and what we kind of did is, you know, we kind of bored the value from the good neighborhood. And then we just kind of moved that line street by street, block by block. So... I'll give you an example. Um, you know, we did a single family, one of our first single family deals that we did down there uh, around six, seven years ago. It was a $60,000 US investment, uh, sorry, $75,000 US investment just to build a ground up home. And, you know, the, the after repair value in that house would have been uh, roughly four fifty. That was seven years ago, but we never actually built that house. We just sold the plans and permits to another developer uh, on, on that one. But the average house in, in the neighborhoods that we're building now is between four fifty and uh, seven hundred thousand US, depending on the product that that we're that we're putting out right now. Oh, nice. Okay. And we're getting into the multi and the million dollar plus uh, townhome developments. Also, uh, we have a smaller project that's a six unit uh, townhome development with double car garage, elevator, and so forth. Um, but we're we're we try to stick in the price point housing just because you know there's a higher demand and especially in philadelphia where we're in it's always been a city that's been neglected with time you know not a lot of investment and a lot of people had start have started to invest and you know create more stock uh, for houses so give you an example when i first started uh, philadelphia had two great things going for itself. So they have what we call a 10-year tax abatement. So let's say I bought a piece of land for $100,000 and my property taxes were $1,400 a year on it and I put a, a duplex on it. Um, but I'm only paying $1,400 worth of taxes on that property for the next 10 years. So cash flow-wise, it helps you out. You know, Market value for taxes on a property like that would be around the $5,500 to $6,000 a year. And that really helped us grow in terms of cash flow. Uh, when we first started, uh, Philly's changed that a little bit. Now it's like a step up program. You still have a 10-year tax abatement, but every year it increases little by little until you hit your 10-year mark. Um, and then you're, you're basically at market value for your property tax. There's also what we call opportunity zones in the US too that are very attractive. So if you hold speak for hours about this but if you hold a um, the property for more than 10 years 
on the exit, you pay zero uh, capital gains on the federal side of things too, which is really, really nice. Um, you know, there's also, if you set yourself up properly, you can also do uh, a 1030 ex 1031 exchange also on a property, which is complicated to do as a Canadian. But if you have the proper structure, you're able to participate on uh, deferring your capital gains when you exit a property and just get into a bigger building. But our main strategy is, that is the tax abatement and opportunity zone that we that we bet large on. For sure. Yeah, as you know, we are also in the U.S. market um, as of last year. And uh, yeah, we see that the same thing, like the the, uh, the tax advantages, the, the opportunity zone uh, often talked about there as well. I've heard these terms. It, it is a, and obviously so many markets to choose from a much larger market uh, uh, where, you know, you've got many, many large cities, uh, metros that, you know, not just, you know, a few of them. Right. So. And, and, and the thing is too, like when you look at the opportunity zone or the tax credits that you're getting or the tax advantage, the way I look at it, it's like your cherry on top of your Sunday. It's just another exit that you don't plan on it, but it's there when you're exiting the property and, you know, that can increase your profit by 15 to 20% on the exit just by having that uh, in mind on the exit, which is amazing. Yeah, for sure. So, so Matt, tell us a little bit about Mata Partners. Um, so you obviously have some a relationship with somebody in the U.S. My understanding is you guys are primarily focused on redevelopment and development. Is that correct as your strategy? 100%. So our main focus is ground-up development. We did do a bit of flips. But we try to do 95% of our projects are all ground-up development. Sometimes we will recycle the shelves of, of buildings and build on top of them. But we try to do ground-up development just because you can do it. You can control better what's behind the walls and have less surprises. Um, so we're mainly, you know, when we first started, we did some single-family duplexes. Uh, but I would say our sweet spot now is roughly doing, you know, six units and up at a time. You know, I think our smallest development right now is a three-unit um, townhouse development, but we're most likely going to sell that off uh, with the plans and permits in place uh, to another developer. And are and are you guys um, holding some of these as rentals, or is it mostly just for the purpose of resale? So the way our approach is uh, with our company, so we do fifty percent build and hold, and then fifty percent build and sell. We just want to make sure that we're a little bit more liquid if, you know, event that, you know, we have a currency crisis with the Canadian U.S. dollar. Uh, we just want to make sure that that uh, we're a little bit liquid uh, on that aspect of thing. My partners, obviously, they have other investors with them, too, uh, but their strategy is a little bit different. They're around 70 percent build and hold and 30 percent build and sell. Uh, I'm curious to know the construction cost in the U.S. that that you know you're paying, because over here, uh, you know, I I just recently finished a construction project, and um, you know, we would be I would say at least two hundred and twenty five dollars a square foot right now, uh, if not more. You know, luxury would be oh, like you know closer to two fifty to three hundred. Very high quality would be three to four hundred dollars a square foot. So believe it or not, when we start, we started around six, seven years ago, we we're between 97 and 103 dollars a square foot. And we keep joking around as a team now that what's what's a construction budget these days with COVID? 
nobody we can't receive and respect it. So we're we're billing on average right now for 155, 167 a square foot. It's really hard these days because you can't really lock in the price of materials and stuff like that. But I would say we're hovering around the 165 ish. If we're if we get a little bit lower than that, we're lucky. I think our cost is going to go down a little bit more, uh, just with the cost of lumber uh, going down a bit. So I think that will will make a big impact on this too. For sure. And in 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 terms of the the approval process, um, I'm sure it's a lot more favorable than what we're facing here in Ontario. Uh, what what does it take to get something you know for when you guys purchase uh let's say a piece of land to when you start construction so it, it all depends so like the buy right stuff is fairly it's fairly simple but what happened too during covid also is there's a backlog to getting permits approved and there and there's no in this especially in philadelphia right now you know you can put in a permit on monday and you can put in another permit on Wednesday. The Wednesday permit will get approved before your your permit that you put in on 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 that same week on the Monday. So we're having a hard time gauging that right now. Um, so it's still fairly quick, but it takes a little bit longer than it, than before. So before we you know be three to six months by right project. Now we're eight to twelve months, depending of the of the of the size of the project too. Yeah. Well, um, it's still a lot better than uh, here, which would be probably double the time frame. I, I would assume, uh, not including like rezoning or anything, but uh, yeah, we try we try to keep our stuff fairly simple. Buy right projects are always the the easiest ones uh, to do uh, when we're doing land assemblies and stuff. You know, we always try to plan ahead of the uh, ahead of, ahead of time too. So we always have other projects that we're working that that you know the permits, the plans, the the zoning changes and stuff that take a lot of time. So we always make sure that we have a good uh, pipeline of projects that once you complete a project, we're not sitting there, hey, where's our next deal? We got to go hunt for the next deal. So we're we're very uh, conscious about that. Um, Obviously, the buy right projects uh, sometimes cost us a little bit more money because you're paying for it on, on, on the land acquisition. But also when you're creating your own projects, you know, by doing some land assembly or changing the zone, that's when it gets more fun. And um, the results are always a lot better, too. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So I, mean, I know this is always a question. I mean, uh, you're a Canadian investing across the border. You know, you're potentially partnering with other Canadians who are looking to work with you to do the same thing. Um, what are some of the sort of hindrances or some of the challenges uh, being a Canadian investing in the U.S.? And, and, you know, how have you guys been able to overcome that and, you know, successfully scale? So, so I think that the biggest thing that everybody has in mind is the taxation or, oh my God, you're doing business in a different country. What are my rights? And so forth. You know, that was, you know, when we first start, you're always like, you know, you lose sleep. Did I do the right decision? And, you know, we we kind of say, you know, sometimes you're investing in these war zone neighborhoods, but, and we don't, we don't really have that in, in Canada. You know, when we, when, you know, and what I, when I say that, it's just a different culture. It's, you know, on this. And I think the biggest thing as a Canadian, you got to look at the opportunities in the U S when it comes to real estate, you can drive down these, 
this upcoming neighborhood and see an opportunity every single door. You know, some of them could be home runs, some of them can't be. So the finding opportunities for Canadians is a lot is a lot easier. But another thing to keep in mind too um, is you know you got to have the right people spend the time with an accountant uh, to understand uh, the tax implications uh, on it because in the U.S. you know there's you know there's there's multiple ways to invest. You can do it through per, you can use your personal a name, which I don't recommend. But you know if you don't plan on being very active and doing a lot of deals, it can work. You can use uh, you can create corporations to shell yourself uh, against the taxes in Canada. There's different ways of of doing of doing business. So make sure that you spend the time uh, with an accountant to really go deep down into it. And that's the reason too what I like about our company too. We just brought in a a partner a few years ago. He's a cross board tax specialist, and we have him in house. Um, he talks to our investors. We always recommend you get in a second opinion anyways, but we have that within our company uh, to help guide people uh, to make the right decision. And I'm sure you guys are the same way too, right? It's like, it's not like in Canada, here's the deal. You put your money in that way. But when it comes to moving funds in the US, there's just different op- different ways of doing it, right? Exactly. Yeah, I know. And, and the number one question we get is about taxes. They They know the returns are great. You know they're happy with everything else. They they like the deal, but then now uh, then comes the tax questions, and, and yeah, I mean, uh, of course you're uh, investing across borders, so there are uh, tax implications. But you know you just have to seek that uh, uh, legal and uh, accounting advice before you move ahead. And it, and it sounds scary at the beginning, but once once you understand the basics, it's it's straightforward and it just goes smoothly, you know? For sure. Yeah, I think sometimes people make things more complex or they they, they think things are going to be a lot more challenging than we, they are. And I mean, just when, you know, as a side note, when Jose and I first started investing over, you know, over 12, 15 years ago, our first acquisitions were in the US. We didn't know anything about real estate at that time, right? Um, and we were buying some pretty not so in some not so favorable places, but uh, we were doing it, and and it really it, it like was, at it, that time the, the 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 tax question was secondary. We, we yeah, didn't even think about we it. We're like we're just it. gonna go buy it. <laughs> Somebody yeah. showed us an opportunity. We're like, yeah, let's buy it. The numbers work, and and really at the end of the day, it did sort itself out. Um, if you're thinking about it ahead of time, it's going to be even less of a of an issue. And, and some good tax accounts too. They won't even charge you for the consultation. They'll kind of guide you give you the back, the, the understanding of it, because they know if they give you the right information up front, you're going to be a client for life, you know? And I think, and, and I think that the, the key is as a Canadian, you know, the word LLC is very popular in the U S whatever you do, never invest directly in an LLC as a Canadian. Americans just love it because they're, they're called flow through entities. And I think, uh, you know, even real estate agents. I don't know how many Canadians I know. My real estate agent told me to put an LLC. I'm like, yeah, it's good if you're an American to do that, you know. But you know, spend an hour, two hours with a with an account and uh, and get them to write you a plan and and a visual of the structure that you need to be in uh, to save on tax implications and and go from there. Like for us personally, we you know our structure. We we try to leave the majority of our profits in the U.S just to be able to grow that 
Uh, you know, eventually, you know, there'll be more tax implications when we're bringing back the money back to Canada, but we try to keep it uh, in a lower, you know, in the US because of the tax, the taxes, essentially. Right. Yeah. So maybe tell us a little bit about like the, some of the new projects that you got going on right now and, and uh, perhaps also how you are, you're raising capital from uh, Canadians. So, you know, there's, there's one, you know, I'll, I'll go on, on a, one of the smaller projects. So we just uh, completed a raise. Uh, it was a $300,000 raise to build a six unit, sorry, six unit um, building. So very simple unit, the dolling construction cross, I think is going to be around 1.1, uh, 1.1, uh, including the cost of the land and our exit is to sell it for around 1.4, 1.5 to another investor. Uh, that's kind of like the, the numbers on that. We can also refinance it, pull the majority, if not all our capital out on the deal. But that's a little project right there that, that we we're working with. We were going to do a 1031 exchange on that. That, one, that was the goal. Uh, but we have another investor that wants to buy a smaller property. So we're just going to build it and sell it uh, to them. And just so people understand, like just the different lending conditions on, on this. We haven't finalized it, but when the podcast um, episode makes it out, we should have the, the the final approval. We have we're using semi hard money for that, and they're going to be financing a hundred percent of the deal on that one. So we're going to pay a little bit higher interest, but we already know what our exit is going to be. We already have a buyer lined up. Uh, there's no real estate agent involved in it, so it's a little bit riskier to build because you're paying more of interest rate. But but we have a pretty good exit to another investor. Uh, which we think will do um, will do really well on the exit on that. Another project that we're, we're that we're working with um, is basically it's a um, forty five unit uh, building. I believe there's thirty parking spot, one ground commercial, and just to build that, we need to raise around two point four two point six million dollars for that one. Um, so imagine building something like that in Canada or most cities in Canada. Even on a, on, if you do the conversion with three million bucks, it's almost impossible to build that with, with you know three million dollars Canadian. You, you know, so you you get a lot more buying power with your dollar in in the U.S. and uh, that's the that's the main reason why why we like it. You know, we we look at an average you know a fifty thousand dollars a door uh, that we need to raise to build, and you can't really do that in Canada. Yeah, absolutely, and like you said. You know, being in control and having predictability with whatever it is that you're executing. It sounds to me like the timeframes are much more predictable from, you know, the time that you purchase the land to getting your approvals, even with some delays, um, and then having a much more controlled situation moving forward. And I think that, I don't know, maybe people can correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of Canadians who are moving to the US, that's one of their main motivators is that feeling of predictability and control, which for, for various political and other reasons in our market here is, is, is lacking, right? Exactly. And, 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 you know, as a Canadian, you know, I don't think we really, like, I never understand, understood what the American dream meant until I started doing business in the U S like you drive down and it's like the land of opportunity. And then we don't really see that in Canada. Like, like, you got to spend weeks and weeks and months to find to find that diamond in the rough versus in the US it's easier to create opportunities it's easier to f- create your own deal 
Um, and that's the reason why, why, why we love it. And, you know, before we, we, we talked on the podcast, we're talking about partnership. And I think as a Canadian too, we always forget that having a U.S. based partner is the best way to scale your business. Your cost of born is going to be less, even though you got to give out some equity, you can just scale a lot quicker. You know, I always, when I first started in real estate, I think by default, we're all kind of greedy. We all kind of think, Hey, I can do this on my own. I don't need the help of anybody. Then you hit that wall. You're like, oh my God, I don't have any more money. Nobody wants to lend me money anymore. What do I do? And I realized that I'd rather have one piece of a pie and have 30 or 40 pies on the go than to have one or two deals a year. You know, like, I, and I think it's, it's better that way. I don't know if you guys feel the same way when you guys first started in real estate, but I really think, you know, when you first get into the game and you're, you're, you're building on, on this vision, you realize, oh my God, it's better to bring in as many people as you can, share the wealth and, and be able to still grow uh, the business. 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, no, no. I, I mean, I, I can relate to that in, in uh, you know, many ways because when, when I'm touring properties in the US, I'm, you know, I'm only touring a couple of properties when I'm there and I see potential in many of them. Right. Uh, so there are many opportunities to choose from. Uh, number one, like unlike over here where there's one opportunity, there's there's 10 people chasing after it. So that just drives up the price and there's not too much money left in the deal. Whereas over here, you got a lot more choices in the U.S. in the U.S. And yeah. and then also the other thing is about, uh, uh, you know, which, as you mentioned about the partnership is that. People are already used to being partners over there, you know. There, uh, whereas you know, when we started over here as well, we we always focused on doing everything ourselves. Um, we never did, you know, partnership in a big way. But uh, when when we're doing doing our deals in the U.S., uh, we definitely have partners as well, uh, especially for the financing. So yeah, that like I would say a lot more uh, business friendly environment in general. Yeah. Um, and and also. You know, we don't have these, we're able to execute our business plan faster because we don't have the government regulations in terms of rent control and uh, that bureaucracy, um, as well as, um, you know, cash flow is higher because the prices are, are, are lower, right? Yeah, there's so many factors, right? Like we can, we can, we can go on about it, but yes, there's definitely, um, and, and for me and even for Jose, like it's like we mentioned the predictability of execution. And when you're bringing partners on board, that is really, really, really important because you're promising people certain, they're, they're investing, essentially they're investing in a business, right? Real estate in this form is a business. It's not just like, hey, I'm going to buy a single family home and just, you know, maybe rent it out and maybe manage it myself and go fix the toilet when it gets gets broken. Like it's, it's completely different. You're talking about institutional, sometimes institutional sized assets and institutional sized developments or whatever it may be, which... Um, you know, you need to be able to offer that predictability to your investors. So I think, yeah, I think it's great. I think it's great that more Canadians are starting to realize that it's just an invisible line, really. I mean... And the cultures are so similar, right? Like... They are. You know, there's nothing... There's nothing... No language issues. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, I, and I find Americans are more business prone too. You know what I mean? Like, they, they like to talk about business. And I find Americans... They like to share what they're doing more than Canadians. You know, it's like, 
it's not like, oh, there's a, it's a secret. I'm not going to tell you unless you pay for my mentorship or anything. <laughs> you know, you have, you know, we, you know, I have really good relationships with a few other developers in Philadelphia. I've never done business with them. We probably call each other every six, seven weeks and we just say, hey, what are you working on? What are your struggles and stuff? And we, we help each other out that way versus in Canada. I find it's a little bit, it's a little bit different uh, on, on that aspect. And, and like, it's funny because sometimes when I go down to Philadelphia, I'll go to my parents, like, Hey, is that your building? No, no. We had to help this developer on the design just because we didn't want them to ruin the neighborhood. So we, we donated our time to, to make this look appropriate to fit in the, in the neighborhood landscape. You like, you would never really get that here. You know, I find like, it'd be like, Oh, they'd be like, look at that ugly building. I can't believe that developer did it. You know? Um, so we're pretty, we're pretty, exactly. So we're pretty fortunate um, about that. Like our, our partners are really good. Um, we're not, you know, what I like about my partners, I call them like, they're, they're not like your typical bully developer in the U S they work with the city. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, we can do stuff by right on projects. Uh, i give you an example. There's a property where we could have built 72 units uh, for, for a rental. And uh, the community said, we know you can build this, but we prefer you building like a townhome so you can sell it. So we have more families that move in. So they built 24 townhomes uh, in the, in the neighborhood. It's, it's currently under construction. We had, they had an out of state uh, investor that wanted to buy the rest of the, the development and to turn it to a, a rental community. And they said, no, we'll sell you a certain percentage of, of the townhome for rentals, but the rest we're not going to, we don't want this to be a rental. Uh, development just to to save their face in the community and and it's funny because you know we're canadian you know we're exposed to different cultures but you know in the u.s you know there there is that dividing line uh between cultures you know sometimes they think hey the white developer is going to change and so we try to get everybody involved in the community just to to really really make sure that we understand them and to make sure that it fits what the, the vision is for, for, for the neighborhoods because some people, they don't want development in their, in their communities because they're like, Hey, my house might be worth 50, a hundred thousand dollars. And now you're pushing, you're pushing me out of my neighborhood because I can't afford to live in my own neighborhood now. But what we try to do is we try to work with smaller uh, businesses, restauranters, or even there's a project with a community college that we want to put like a, a coffee shop where it's going to be run by, by the community college so the students can learn how to run their own business and stuff like that. So we try to get a lot of people involved in our projects. So everybody is winning at the end of the day and it can, and we leave a lasting impact uh, in the community too. We even like my, my guys will even send their own crews to go clean up the neighborhoods, you know, though, you know, to make sure that they're clean because sometimes the city doesn't take care of the neighborhoods, you know? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I mean, ultimately it's about making a difference and, you know, feeling like you're impacting people in the neighborhoods that you're revitalizing. So that's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, just before we come to a close here, is there sort of a, a quote or a saying that you'd like to share that sort of resonates with who you are and, uh, maybe how, you know, your business or something that's important to you? I just think right now, you know, what's going on with the interest rates and, you know, the inflation is if you've been on the sidelines thinking about real estate 
are thinking and getting it into the, an alternative investment, this is the time to do it, I think, before a lot changes in Canada or in the U.S. And if you're not sure, you know, just find somebody in your local market or just reach out to people and just go out, educate yourself and, and, and pull the trigger because real estate can definitely change your life and it can definitely change the way you, you set up your, your future and you set up your family's future for sure. 100%. Yeah, yeah, it is. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. It's so powerful that, um, you know, you, yeah, the, the impact that you can have uh, by just simply being involved in, uh, and then not riding the roller coaster of the stock market. Yeah. And, and, and realizing, like you said, that, you know, it is a, it, there is so much room for partnership. You don't have to do everything yourself. You don't have to be good at everything. There is a role that you can play and still be involved and, and get a piece of that pie, h- however, which way you're able to. And look, when I first started, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to understand the zoning. I wanted to understand how to build and all that. And I realized that I was my worst enemy. I was slowing down the process. You know, my partners were getting frustrated. I'm like, hey, Matt, we need a decision. Well, it's hard because I'm not here. And then I realized, you know what? If you, you know, in, in, in real estate, I always bring this up. There's the three Ps, the people, the process, and the product you're putting out. And I think that, if you trust the process that your team's got, just let go of it. It's okay to let go. And if you trust the people, it's okay. You know, and like at the end of the day, there's always going to be something you'll never be 100% satisfied with. But if you're 90% content, then just be happy and go with the flow and trust everything. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So we'll put it in our show notes as well. If people want to get in touch, um, what's the website that we would be reaching you at? So the, be- the best place to get a hold of us would be on our website, mattapartners.com. Okay, perfect. All right. And I'm assuming there's contact information if anybody wants to reach out directly. Okay, perfect. So we'll definitely link that in our show notes. Um, so yeah, Matt, thanks again for being on our show today. It was a great conversation. Lots of great insight about the US. Um, we definitely appreciate your time. For sure. Yeah, Matt. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me on. All Thank right. you. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation on the Savvy Real Estate Investor Show. Make sure to hit subscribe or follow on whichever platform you are listening to this on. If you liked this episode, please write a review and share it with us. We are getting the show up and running right now, so every message, every review, and every note counts. This show exists to showcase how investors at any level can start using and leverage real estate to become savvy wealth builders. If you want to learn more about how we can potentially help you create more passive income and build your wealth faster, go to www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. Once again, it's www.savvyrealestateinvestor.com. All right, that's a wrap. We can't wait to hang out with you on the next episode.